Let's have a Friday on FT Live. Scotty Braun, Eric Kratz, Bob Frazier. Am I reading the rundown correctly? Polar Bear? Yeah, baby. The most requested player over the past three months, I would say, unofficially for foul territory, is joining us, Todd Father. He's coming. He's coming on to Polar Bear, baby. We'll talk about where he got that nickname. No. Uh, Nothing. we'll, We'll get into it. But, yeah, I can't wait to talk to him, man. We got some good stuff to talk about. Met stuff about him, the adjustments he's made, and how he's on this prolific run again. The guy's an absolute beast, so I can't wait to get him on. I got to get an F-bomb, Kratzy. Out of, <laughs> out of Pete? Yeah. I bet, I bet you'll get I'll take. I'll set the over-under at three. Ooh. Well, I think he's going to be nice. I think he's going to be nice. I'm going to go I'll, under. I'll go under. I'm, I'm going to go. My, I got one. I think he'll give us one. Agree? He could. I, he could. He could. I don't know, man. He, I don't know. I, Todd knows him. Todd he, knows him well. He might go in the principal's office if he does. I'm not sure. So we got to be careful, man. Yeah, I don't want to get him in Buck. trouble. But from what I understand, Top Father, because you weren't on when we were breaking this down yesterday and Buck said he doesn't want him saying, let's fucking go Mets. I think it's because he said in the ballpark hmm. on TV and you hear it on the PA system. So there could be little tykes and some people don't want to hear it. But I think on a show like this, where we do have the explicit rating on podcast, he can do what he wants. Yeah, I mean, listen, the excitement of doing well, I, I don't think I've dropped an F-bomb, but I, 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 I don't remember in an interview, you know, let's freaking go, I might have said freaking, I'm not sure, but you, you, when the heat of the moment, you're excited, you're doing well, I mean, let the guy live. It, it's happened before. It, it, it is what it is. David Ortiz did it. I mean, you can name a whole bunch of people who did it. Um, I understand what Buck is coming from. But this is New York, baby. <laughs> you could do it. Literally, when you're on top of the world in New York, you, you could do, get away with a lot of things. It's really not the worst thing. But, you know, you got little kids there. I understand. Fans love it. So this is a big Todd Father Friday, Kratzy, because we're giving away the signed first pitch ball. And no, show it off. That's next. There are City Connects that we break down. They don't do it like that. That is a Foul Territory Todd Father jersey. When do we get that on Foul Territory Shop? That's amazing. My man Adam Abdat, he's actually Marcus Stroman's cousin, who I got to meet when we played in New York. He has this company called BuildDifferentSports.com. He makes awesome uniforms for, you know, not youth athletes and youth sports as well. And, um... His IG is at Built Different Sport. Check him out. He's going to make all custom jerseys for me. Well, he made me one first, and then he's going to make everybody on the show one so we can all rock him one day. But just got it in the mail the other day. It's pretty sick. Got the button up. And this is, this is my City Connect jersey for the week. So <laughs> your, yours are coming in next week. Let's go. What would yours say? What would yours say, Scotty? What would yours? His says Todd Father. What would, what would it say? That's <laughs> It definitely probably has a curse word on it, right? No, I think his, his would be GTL, Jim Tan Laundry on there. <laughs> Jim Tan Laundry. Netto's my boy. <laughs> yeah, your back of your jersey would say Netto. Yeah, Scotty, Scotty Slice, we'll call him. <laughs> There's a lot. DJ Scotty B? I, I'll, I'll think of, you know what, let him do it. He's the pro, he's the expert. Yeah. 
He knows. He's watching. So. Kratz hats. Are we getting a Kratzy hat yeah. or something maybe? I don't know. No, he's got to put all the all the teams, all 14 organizations I played <laughs> on just looking like a NASCAR jersey. <laughs> hey, that would be cool. That would be cool. That is awesome, though. Can can people eventually purchase that, or is it a one-of-one, one, what you've I'm, got? I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to talk to him, but this is – this is the first one ever made, so one out of whatever you want to say. So this is, I guess this will be the one-on-one, but um, we'll wait and see what you guys get, and then, you know, we could talk more down the road. My thing is, I mean, there are some City Connects that could use your boy for some design <laughs> assistance, some, yes. okay? There are some Baltimore. Great, yeah, <clears throat> Baltimore. Some people actually, it, Baltimore, it was like, from what I saw, guessing, 90% hate it. What are we doing? There's nothing to it. And then there's like this 10% that was like, nailed it. So many no. little pieces that they put in there. And I'm like, you can't even see any of the intricate things that they tried to do storyline wise. You literally can't see them unless you are like standing next to the person. It's like, it's like, it's like when you go and get a custom button down shirt and the guy's like, I right, what color do you want? Like, oh, I'll take a white. Oh, okay. Well, I can do some cool stuff in the, you know, in the collar a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but I don't want people to see that. It's just I want to see it when it's laying in my dirty trap, dirty clothes pile. Like that's all they did. They're like, yeah, we'll just throw some black on the outside. Baltimore, you know, we'll put, we'll make sure we spell it right. Like that's good, right? So we spelled it right, and then we'll put like some some cool things under. Don't look at them though, under the sleeve, but don't look at them. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, why not? If you can't figure out something, make it about the mascot or something. Make it a cool design on the front of a different color or something, something that, you know, fans like to see and hang out with. I, I don't know. I just. The Maryland flag was the layup, man. That was, that was an yeah. easy layup. Mm -hmm. There's so many cool colors in that. You know, that they could have killed it with. You know who does good with that is the Maryland Terrapins, uh, like the basketball oh, team. Their the shorts. Team remember, remember the shorts? Oh, the football and the helmet. They, it's a cool flag, man. It's a really cool flag. Easy layup. And that just got absolutely swatted. Hmm. There were some people on socials that were like, I'm glad they didn't just do the easy route of going with the state flag. And I'm like, <laughs> that would have been perfect. Why? Your state flag's awesome. <laughs> you, it is you really wanted, you opted for vanilla ice cream instead? <laughs> I like vanilla ice cream. I do really <laughs> sorry, like vanilla. Sorry, sorry for vanilla ice cream fans. I don't want to offend yes, anyone. I All right, let, we we got about 15 minutes, and we're gonna bring on C Trant Rosecrans and Ken Rosenthal is gonna join us in between the Pete Alonzo interview and if you hit up our Twitter right now at Foul Territory TV is the Twitter handle there and drop some questions. We'll mix them in with the Polar Bear interview. But let's charge the damn mound right now and start off with a players-only meeting. The Toronto Blue Jays falling 6-3 to Tampa Bay yesterday. They've lost 3 of 4. They're on a 2-9 and nine downfall. And it's a talented team. It's a very competitive division. And it's also just a competitive American league. Here's Shai Dabidi as he's talking about the 2-9 and nine stretch where they fell to the Yankees, the Orioles, and the Rays. They begin a three-game set at Minnesota. Obviously, you're looking at the tweet here. That was from last night. So it starts today. And for Toronto right now in the standings, they are in last place. They're above 500, 26 and 25. They would still be second best in the Central a half game behind Minnesota, they've played one less, the Twins, at 26 and 24. So in my mind, yeah, it's a slip, but also my line, pump the brakes. But from you guys, I want to know what this 
players only meeting is all about because whenever it happens you always have the reporters like what was talked about they basically don't tell you anything so you guys tell us what actually goes down in those meetings yeah well, i mean scott you're going to leave no 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 yeah. before you start Todd, scott you're going to leave there's a players only meeting <laughs> okay we're going to close take me this out day. take me out of the shop no. boom there Beat it is Beat All right, it, <laughs> Oh, that was great, Eric. You go first since you did it. Go ahead, man. I mean, we've joked about this a lot, but it's so true. Like, who's throwing today for the Blue Jays? Just without even looking, Scotty, who's throwing for the Blue Jays? I'm, I'm not in the room. Are you calling for me? I'm calling for you outside the door. Who's throwing for the Blue Jays? Who do you think is throwing for the Blue Jays without even looking? I, I actually... I actually did look this morning, but right. I did. I looked quickly, but I do know who it is. It, it's. It, I'm pretty sure Gossman. No. Yeah. So if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a meeting, <laughs> it's not gonna be when Manoa's pitching Pardon next me. day. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, beat it. Now you're back out of the room. So Gossman's <laughs> pitching. You're going to play a team that, kind of like what you just said, Scotty. Like, ah, uh, you know, in the AL Central, they'd be in first. That's kind of like the dude that's like. Oh, my exit velocity this year is so, like, it's I'm averaging 94 exit velocity, but I can't buy any hits. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you hit the ball on the ground. Like, in this players' meeting, whatever they talked about, I hope it was honesty because there's some dudes that need to be called out because they're not playing up to par. And only those guys know what that is. I'm not talking, you know, I'm not even talking about looking at their stats. I'm talking about looking at what these guys can do and how it how it comes across in that meeting. I you know, my hope would be guys that are struggling that are stars are the ones that are stepping up. It's kind of hard when Vladimir Guerrero is sitting there going, "Guys, come on. You guys got to pick it up." It's like, "Well, Vladdy, like we're not all going to hit, you know, we're not all going to have a 930 OPS." Like, but if a guy that's struggling, like let's say Manoa, you know, Manoa steps up and says something. Then, then it starts to hit a little bit more in those players' meetings. It starts to hit a little bit more when somebody blows a save and the closer steps up and says something. like He's willing to say, I did something wrong or I didn't do well. Come on, guys. I need you guys to pick me up. And these, these meetings work. But, again, they got Gosman going. Like they're not, they're not going on an opener day having a team meeting. No, and I, and I think the biggest thing when you do have these team meetings is being accountable. Uh, whoever's talking, you know, not necessarily, you know, you want to, if, if you're the leader, say like for me, when I first came up, Scott Rowan would get on the mic and be like, hey guys, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, all right, hold on, let me, let me get on my chair like this. Like, you don't want to be looking around and seeing the guy just like, all right, go on with your spiel. Like if, if, you're, if you're a Scott Rowan guy, and you're calling people out, that's constructive criticism. That's respect. If you've got guys just up there chirping along, it's not going to make any sense. Then you'll have an argument. Then you'll have your little clicks. I've been a part of those where it's just like you, afterwards, the guy's like, can you believe this guy said that? Well, you got nothing out of that meeting. So now we're back to square one. So your focus is about being accountable. If you're talking, even if you're doing well, say, hey, man, I need to pick it up on this end as well. You know, so-and-so. Let's go, man. You're a leadoff guy. You know, be the leadoff guy. You know, if you're the reliever, I need two innings out of you of hard-fought innings. Let the defense play. You know, you don't even necessarily need to call names out, but you just got to you got to make sure everybody is held accountable. And a lot of the time it's, you know, if you're having a bunch of them, it's a different story. It's a lot of eyewash. But 
when you have a leader and a guy that everybody looks up to that's going to sit there and be like, you know what, if he's saying this, we got issues. You know, going 2-9 and nine against the AL East, it's tough, man. It's going to be a hard division to, to crack, but it doesn't get any easier. You got the Twins coming up, too. So, Scotty, you come on back in here. We're done. Hang on, hang on. Oh, the last, never mind. last thing, no, still just yet. players. Still just players. I don't want Scotty <laughs> to hear this part. Players only. But is after the meetings is where I think a lot of this stuff happens. Like, at the end of the meeting, if they're like, screw it, 2-9, and nine, we're going on the road, throw, that, throw the music on. Like, yeah. we're not sulking for a two-hour flight to Minnesota. We're not sulking the whole time. We're throwing the music on, and we're coming into Minnesota strong. And then when there's dudes, like, everybody leaves the locker room, Todd kind of hit on it a little bit. Like, guys who were like, oh, man, was he talking about me? Yeah. And Todd's like, dog, you didn't even, you didn't even listen. Yeah. And that's when, that's when a lot of the constructive stuff comes out but if guys are like oh no man no they, they couldn't have been talking about you your 703 ops is is totally fine like we mm. weren't really even planning on you doing well like no they're talking about accountability and then so after that meeting anybody can step up and keep other people accountable exactly. now scott no. can come back in <laughs> exactly. oh, i'm allowed back awesome okay you're allowed back wow. our, our meeting's done Open you can listen to our music Hey. Okay, so so I have a question. Is this team going to be okay if Alec Manoa keeps pitching like this? Because to me, that's by far the biggest problem with this team. He was my favorite pitcher last year. He was my preseason Cy Young pick. I know he didn't win, but he was pretty damn good. He was a one last year. He's not a one right now. And now we're two months in. Okay, slider's not the same. Command's not the same. No. Give up five stolen bags against Tampa Bay yesterday. Three innings, three hits, five hits. Uh, sorry, three innings, five runs, four earned, five walks, six Ks. ERA is still five and a half. And and Eflin was was great, even though it, I, I don't think he struck anyone out. Seven innings, one ground run, ball, six hits, ball. no strikeouts. But ground ball city, baby. What what's going on here? Because it's been two months. He's not the same pitcher. Clearly, at all. Like, it's this is not the same guy in a number of ways, right? And it's been write, written about a lot. And you know guys are going to make adjustments, but it hasn't happened. To me, that's the biggest problem because he's win day in the past. So here, here's, here's my, you know, culmination of what I think is going on. Like, he came out hot. You know, he's, I still think he's a really good pitcher, and I still think he's going to do well. But it's something – there could be a couple different things. Maybe he put a little too much pressure on himself, say, hey, I'm the number one dude. I'm top five pitcher in the league right now. You know, I'm, I'm going to cruise through. Do I think that's what happened? No. Or on, on the other side, his, slide, his slider's not really working right now. And I remember watching him playing the Yankees. He couldn't find that slider. So as a hitter, what am I going to focus on? I'm going to focus on number one. And number one to me is that fastball. You're going to throw a slider. I'm going to let you make you throw that slider two or three times for a strike until I can respect it again. And I think that second pitch or that equalizer that he has, it just hasn't been working this year. So for him, he's got to go back to the drawing board on that off-speed pitch, whether it's a sweeper or a slider, I don't know what you call it. But once that's effective, I think that'll make the fastball even more effective, Eric. I mean, do you understand? You know what I'm saying. Like, as a catcher, you put down that slider, you're like, Jesus, I just hope he gets it over the plate or he makes a nasty pitch and it just didn't happen. That's tough, too, because 
I thought they were going to actually put DJ uh, Danny Jansen back there last night to catch him. Kirk's been his guy the whole time. And, you know, just seeing how Manoa interacts, I don't see him being ever throwing Kirk under the bus because they did so well last year. But you almost need a fresh, maybe a fresh face back there. Not saying it's Kirk's fault, saying that you were just, you get in a rhythm with a guy and you're like, okay, this is, I remember when we just busted out this nasty slider last year that he's going to paint down and away. And all of a sudden you're 2-0 and you're like, oh crap. I caught a guy, ended up, ended up being a Hall of Famer, but the guy was a, I won't say who it was, but he was, I'll say, it, it was Roy Holiday. It was towards the end of Roy One, Holiday's two, career. Chooch three. caught him all the time. Chooch caught him all the time. One, two. And he ended up like starting to struggle a little bit. And he had some injuries. He was fighting through some stuff. I'm not sure. saying Manoa's fighting through that kind of stuff. But it was a guy that had so much success with the same catcher. And his stuff wasn't doing the same thing. And I remember thinking his cutter, just based on my eyes, what I was catching in 2012, I was like, it just doesn't quite seem like it's as sharp as it needs to be the way it's sharp, getting hit yeah. very good the way it's getting location, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's one of those things where I'm like, it just, just change up the scenery. Let DJ get out there. DJ is a, he is a starting catcher. Yes. You have Alejandro Kirk. It's not like Kirk's lighting up the world at the plate again this year. It might give him a break to go off and catch somebody else. And let DJ get in there, say, and DJ sees it and sees that slider. It's like, man, we just we can't locate this slider because that's the issue. He can't locate it, so he hangs it or it's a ball. And then, like you said, it's it's old number one. Here we go, and dudes are teeing off. That's it. And you're a prof- and you're a professional hitter at the end of the day. And we're all about making adjustments. One, we're all about trying to find ways to be the best hitter or pitcher we can be. And I'm going to take my chance. I'll leave it at that as the last thing I'll say. As a hitter, at the end of my career, I took a lot of chances. You know, I had a lot of good hitting coaches. Chili Davis was unbelievable at finding, you know, you know, problems with pitchers. Like, hey, this is what he's doing. You know, you gave me 60%. He said, I'm 60% on what this guy's doing. I took it because the game was too darn hard. So for me now, I just eliminated his best pitch, his best secondary pitch. So... I'm looking either out for fastball or I'm looking in until I get the two strikes. And if I get that pitch, those good hitters are going to hit it hard somewhere. Like I always say, if you know what's coming, you're going to at least hit it hard somewhere. And um, once he finds that sharpness, and that's why I kept saying, you made a good point. It's not as sharp. And I'm n- I'll never say he's a bad pitcher because he's a stud. The kid's an absolute <laughs> stud. Yep. So for him, and, and you can see it too, he doesn't have that same kind of energy, that same kind of uh, charisma a little bit, but They'll get it back. I mean, this is pitchers make or catch hitters make adjustments just like pitchers do, but it gets blown up more because all of a sudden the one through nine hitters are hitting you instead of like the one through three. And you're like, man, then there's a big problem. But yeah, once that sharpness and that edge comes back, I think he'll be just fine. Fact. Yeah. And he's great for the game. He's great for the game. I mean, often a straight shooter, Mic'd up for the All-Star game last year. He's got swag. He'll fight the world. I remember <laughs> when he first came up, there were a couple times where they were like, yo, yo, just just relax. We don't want to get in brawls with everybody. I know you can probably take almost everybody. He's a big dude. Um, so we'll see how he does. I mean, I want him to succeed. 
And it could also be. Let's get to the Phillies and the Braves. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it could also be what we talked about Julio, too. Maybe Manoa's taken on a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's do like he had that big, big stuff last year. If he takes too much on, maybe he's kind of getting away from his routine or whatever it is. There's so many things that can go into it. You never know. Phillies and Braves. Austin Riley hit a billion miles of home runs yesterday. So, and it was a fun game to watch. So far. Acuna had another day, not a homer, but two hits, two doubles, or one double, sorry, two stolen bags. He leads the National League in that category. Bryce went almost 450. Aside from the game being really fun to watch, how juiced are the baseballs? I mean, it's getting hot in Atlanta. (laughs) Every night right now. There's 450 plus balls flying all over the place, which, you know, we get that here and there, but the numbers getting normalized. So I'm fine with it. I think it's fun. It's just always different. You're not fine with it, Kratzy. No, I just think this is a game. If you're going to say, hey, where's a game when you can see some 450 plus homers? <laughs> like, I'm not real surprised that we don't have the, the distance on Alec Bones, but Bryce Harper. He's going to put it out there. Austin Riley is an absolute oso. He's a bear up there. I mean, that dude, he's been kind of struggling a little bit, but he's these two bombs that he hit, like, and in Atlanta, the humidity, I don't, I don't know if the humidity's rolled in or not yet, but it's starting to get hot. It's starting to get hot up here north, up north. Hot dogs are going to be flying. Hey, my, my biggest – are, are the balls juiced? I don't. I thought you can't do that anymore. I thought that was the biggest thing. I, I don't know, man. Humidor. But, yeah, it's. I love seeing the balls fly that far. I got to be honest. The pitching is too damn good, man. You guys, the pitching is so nasty. To hit a ball that far off a guy throwing ball that moves this much one way or another, up and down. I give praise to these guys, man. And if you could square it up just right and your timing's just right, there's nothing more prettier than that, in my opinion. And he, he hit a ball, two balls, almost a thousand feet. I mean, oh my <laughs> God, that's um, that's phenomenal. You know, almost almost a thousand feet. Like, I mean, the man <laughs> we're about to have on, he can hit a ball. I don't even know if I can get to like go out to second base and hit it from as far as he hits them. Like when you start start talking about like third deck and in mm. City Field, like this is. But the Braves have that all over the place. I saw Olsen put one on top of the the, the chop house or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it now, the restaurant. It hit the transformer on top of the roof out there. Like, he's a 450 candidate. So, yes, it's getting warm in Atlanta, but I don't think the balls are juiced. You know, they want to eh, – they could be. Who, who knows? Everybody's – government TV will let you know. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> What are you going to do? Hey, Kratzy, there's a question for you. How many games do you think it takes until sort of stale pitcher-catcher pairing becomes evident? Do the same issues have to recur, or is it almost always about location? That's a good question. Um, It's not always about location. Sometimes it's stuff. Like, this is why we had the whole sticky situation. People want their ball to move a certain way. Big league hitters, the difference in pitchers from the minor leagues that guys can just 
absolutely smash minor league pitchers who don't have enough stuff, it's the last two feet. The last two feet of movement. If it's a curveball, you might be like, wow, this guy's got a great curveball. Okay? Nothing. Like, I, I see it has a lot of break from the side, but that last little bit, Strider's fastball, the last two feet where the ball just goes, just explodes. So could it be location? Absolutely, it's location. If you want to learn the first thing about pitching, it's all about, it's all about location. And then you get velocity. I think a lot of pitchers are doing it opposite because they want to get a scholarship. So it's the race to the race to light up the radar guns in high school and college. And if you never find location, you're going to get to a level. Don't know when that is college, rookie ball, high A, double. You'll get to a level where people aren't afraid of, of, of velocity and location will kill hitters. And then the separator is that last two feet. So somewhere, somewhere it is about the finishing two feet of that pitch. And hopefully they have some analytics that'll tell you, yeah, you know, we're, we're good to go with the, with the analytics and it's, you know, it's still spinning that way. Then all you got to worry about is location, get a different, get a different vantage point. Get DJ back there. Help Manoa out. And the biggest thing is what I get out of what you're saying is a, make an adjustment. Like, that's the biggest thing I talked about earlier. Finding ways to make people better, whether it's putting a different person in. You see with the Cardinals, what they did, with their hmm. catching issues, what yeah. they have. Um, either putting a guy in or making a different pitch or focusing on one thing that you do good that day and then whatever happens after that, as long as you're getting a step better and better each day, whether it's stale or not, and you see a steady improvement, that, that's, what, that's what makes it a better ball player, a better ball club. And, that's, and, and the last little thing here, I think that's why the Astros, and they've come out and said it, didn't go and get Wilson Contreras. It's not necessarily that they knew Wilson Contreras. Yep. They knew what they had back there, and it is – such a valuable, valuable position. I have a hard time believing a starting catcher doesn't have certain traits if you want your team to win the World Series or go to the World Series. You're biased. I am biased. <laughs> You're so biased. I, there's, if there's ever a bias, <laughs> it is the boys that – the only people on the field that play in foul territory. That's why the show is named Foul Territory. Because, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Because we play in foul territory. You're right, 100%. Nah, it's fair. I mean, for me, <laughs> observing the Astros over the last whatever amount of years, Martin Maldonado is real. I mean, you don't have teammates just constantly saying he's a borderline team MVP when you look at the talent that they have. No? No, no, no doubt. And I'm going to interrupt Eric. He's got the best arm probably from behind the plate. Eric, you no. can tell me if I'm wrong. No, he doesn't. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, all right. Then I apologize. But he has a really good arm. Yes. Um, I mean, listen, he's he's not the best hitter either, and that's that's the biggest thing nope. people don't understand, man. Like you talked about Gary Sanchez. I'm and I'm going on different rants here, but Gary, he's two forty, two sixty hitter. Like that's un, that's really good for a catcher. And you know, I thought his defense was pretty good, but Maldonado's defense is exceptional. He's got control when he catches, and he calls a really good game. 
The only downfall I had against him, when, or, or the, I, which I understood, I still couldn't hit it. Whenever the pitchers got in trouble, he always go back to that slider all the time, and I still couldn't hit the damn thing. But at the same token, that's the only thing I could figure out on him because he was uh, – and I played against him through the minor leagues and everything, and he's still doing it. And he's batting like round 200, if, if not less. So, I mean, God bless him. Hey, we got our first re- guest ready to go. And by the way, coming up later, Polar Bear, Pete Alonzo from the Mets will join us. But let's bring in our first guest right now, C. Trent Rosecrans from The Athletic, covers the Reds every day, joining us and rocking the Sarah Langs baseball is the best shirt. I love it. And Lou Gehrig Day is coming up and a, a ton of money being raised, especially over the last month and in June coming up for ALS. Um, C. Trent, thanks for wearing the shirt. I'm sure I speak for Sarah and many others. And how are you today? I'm great. I'm, I'm fantastic. How could I be any different? I'm on here. I'm setting up for Pete Alonzo and Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> I thought about going to get a bow tie to honor Ken Rosenthal, but then I'd have to <laughs> buy one, learn how to tie one. And that just sounded like a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know how to do that either. Um, are you feeling happy, satisfied, excited about watching Reds baseball as a guy that has to cover them every day right now because we had Will Myers on the other day and I will say Will was great with us and also was talking me into the baby Reds I actually said before the season started and Todd Father can back me up I thought the Reds were going to go over their win total I don't remember what the number was now because I play so many damn bets but (laughs) I do think that the Reds have a lot coming up especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I like the young pitchers that are in the bigs right now. What about you? Uh, this reminds me a lot of 09, 010, 11, 12, when you saw this coming together and you just had guys coming up and there were more guys you're waiting. You know, you had a good team and then you're waiting for a Zach Cozart. Um, some guy they had at third base, they couldn't figure out what to do with them and a little bit of a bust, but you know, Um, Other than that, you know, it is exciting. You see Matt McClain and it's like, it's Matt McClain and he comes in and he's honestly had a little bit more impact than I think we expected. Um, So there is that excitement. And then everybody is waiting for the one. Um, And that's Ellie De La Cruz, who is just, it's fun just going to people who've seen him play and say, give me your Ellie De La Cruz story. Because everybody has stuff. I've gone to, I've probably seen them 12 times, and I have at least 15 things from those, just the 12 games that I've seen him in the minors. Hey, so first off, my question to you, I love, I'm, I'm a huge Ellie David Cruz fan. Like, he's somebody now, I'm starting to watch a little more. He's hitting balls over 116 mile an hour all the time. Um, my question to you is, though, so remember when I played in 12, 13, 14, 15, we always had a plethora well, of veteran guys. Okay, mm-hmm. now my, my only problem is thinking about the Reds. Where are those vets besides Joey Votto, and he's in the last year of his contract, who, who are they going to lean on? Because I know there's not many of them. You know, Will Myers is there, but, you know, he's, you know, he's got a veteran. That's the guy, question. But, you know? One of the big things they did this year and this offseason that I thought was really important and leading to that is they fortified the most – important position on the field and got two veteran catchers and Kirk Casale and Luke Maley, guys who know what they're doing. Um, and I think you are seeing Jonathan India may still be young, but compared to the rest, he is the heartbeat of this team right now. 
Wow, so, that, that, that's interesting because I, I'm a big believer in having, like, because when I came up, it was Scott Rowland, it was Johnny Gomes, it was Ludwig. Like, those guys took everybody under their wing. I'm not saying the Reds can't do it. I think they're going to be a really good team coming up, but I'm just, I'm just worried about not having that veteran presence when it's like, all right, you got L.A. De La Cruz, you got Matt McClain, um, India too as well, just to name a couple people, Barrero, all these guys. Okay, when they start struggling again, who are they going to lean on and talk? You know, that's just yeah. in my opinion. I mean, but you do have Joey Votto there. And sure. I mean, you have a Hall of Famer. Uh, future Hall of Famer. Um, and, and Joey is different than the Joey that, that you played with, Todd. Um, you know, he is a little bit more open than he was back in your day. Um, he is really kind of, he's around the guys and he wants to be around them. And I don't know, man, there's just an excitement. Um, you add like a Nick Senzel who's been playing really well, um, especially once he got back to third base. Uh, there's these guys, there's a, there's a Jake Fraley who's a little bit older, but not too old. He's 28. Um, but you don't, you don't have the Scott Rowland. And again, Scott Rowland, Hall of Famer, we can say that, not future, Hall of Famer. And again, you know better than I do the impact that he had in 09. And I think that's what's going to be interesting at the trade deadline to see if they have another Scott Rowland move in them because you talked to Joey Votto. You talked to Jay Bruce. You talked to Todd Frazier, um, and and they'll tell you just what Scott Rowland meant to that that team and that that generation. Let's see, we have your we have your uh, tweet that you said about Ellie Ellie De La Cruz. Okay, we're gonna read it. Here. Which one? Ninety-seven plate appearances this month. Ellie De La Cruz has twenty strikeouts and seventeen walks and been hit once. Plus, 26 hits, seven home runs, seven doubles, and a triple. Now, you gave us stats, but you said everybody always asks, oh, what's your best Ellie De La Cruz story? That's what I want to hear. We know this dude can rake. I want to hear the best story you got. You know, and it's, it's about the stuff on the field. And I, I, one of the things that you notice, and Todd, again, as a third baseman, shortstop type, you know this. I love watching the players around him. He has had to play shortstop with real shortstops like Matt McClain. Um, and, and you watch them. It's not that they defer to them. They're okay with him. And they are fine sharing the spotlight. They know it. Uh, but if you want to go, like, on the field stories, uh, we were, I was in, um, well, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, which is outside of Huntsville. It is 405 to center, 35-foot batter's eye. And he hit one that I swear was going up when it hit, when it went over the batter's eye. Um, they, they measured it at 495. Uh, it, 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 it reminded me of Josh Hamilton, the, the one I saw in 07 in spring training at Bradenton when he hit it over the batter's eye in Bradenton that I was just like, this guy's different. But I'll tell you, the last game I saw, the last game I saw was in, in Louisville, week and a half ago ellie walks which is huge you know that has been the knock on him he'd been on the knock like oh he had this 25 strikeouts and two walks well that's different now um he walks steals second base matt mcclain walks catcher lazy throw to the back to the pitcher ellie steals third what are we talking about here what kind of player are we talking about are we i mean you just told me 495 to dead center uh -huh. You told me he's got charisma. 
and he's stealing mm-hmm. bases. Are we talking? Uh, one more thing in that game. He's playing third base, 100-mile-an-hour throw. So who are we? So who are we talking? I hate I hate when people say Ellie De La Cruz. We're we're talking Ellie De La Cruz. The other part is when you talk to his teammates, he loves the game and he has a incredibly high baseball IQ. Who who is he? Who is he compared Ellie to? Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> or Superman? You want to say Superman? Okay. Um, you know what? The one guy I can kind of think of. The one guy I could kind of think of is one of his biggest fans who has said all that to me, who wore the same number for the Reds that Ellie's going to really wear. 44. Eric Davis. Wow. wow. I love that. Wow. That's awesome. Some big shoes. To I mean, it's oh, funny. Like Eric name. Davis, I think, I think there are probably people who don't remember Eric Davis like, like, like some of us do. Yeah. I will say yesterday I'm sitting at a sitting at the dining room table with with Barry Larkin and they, he was telling the story about when the Reds were talking about uh, maybe drafting Derek Jeter and they said, hey, uh, would you be OK if he was a shortstop? Barry said, if he's better than me, yeah. <laughs> and we we're like, well, where would you? Well, hey, I don't think he would have been. Um, <laughs> but B said, hey, where would you have gone? And somebody goes, would you have gone to center? And he's like, over Eric? No. Like, I mean, this is Barry Larkin, Hall of Fame shortstop, who just, like, thinks it's a joke to think he was better at any point than Eric Davis was at his prime. The biggest thing that held Eric Davis back was was injury. No? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's really the only thing. That's when, it. When you saw him in his prime and he was healthy, you were like, this dude, if he did that over a long period of time, he was like a Hall of Famer. He would do it all. 80? From, from from midway, I think it's 86 to 87. I have to find the numbers. But he was a 162-game span from the middle of 86 to 87. He was like a 45-90 guy. 45 homers, 90 stolen bases Ooh. over 162. Something like that. <laughs> you have to look them up. Like, you look up that, and I'm not exaggerating. I might actually be underselling it. Jeez. Okay, so the follow-up here is from Davis in our YouTube chat. He goes, did Trent give an ETA on Ellie? I- I'd like to give an ETA if I'm running the Reds. It's called MDW, Memorial Day weekend. Let's go. Stop wasting time down there. Let him come up and freaking rake for this team. Why not? The NL Central's not that good. And what else? I, kn- I know it has not been that much time. I've followed this story pretty closely. Nick Crawl in spring training. I remember I wrote it down because he was like only two months above a ball needs time to develop offense and defense. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Two more months. <laughs> now we're done. Um, I think it's any day now, quite honestly, it's, wow. it's any day now. This see is Trent, see Trump, but where's yeah. he going to play? What position? I think shortstop. Okay. Matt McClain at second. There's the big question. How about, Jonathan how about India? It? India. Yeah, I was going to say, where are they going to put him? I think he's eventually in left field. Okay, wow. I can see that. Is he okay with that? And <clears throat> that's, the, that's the big question. Is he trying but, dropping someone? But I think, honestly, like I was, again, like what Barry said, if he's better than me, Jonathan India wants to win. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen from him. 
And then you have India. Like, already you have India, McLean. Don't sleep on Spencer Steer. Mm-hmm. Spencer Steer can play baseball. Uh, TJ Friedel. TJ Friedel, I thought was maybe a fourth, fifth outfielder for a long time. I think he's an everyday guy. Um, you you put those guys, you have a much different team. You know, for so long you had guys who could just treat this ballpark like it's home run derby. This team doesn't hit a lot of home runs, even in this park. They need that force in the lineup. That's Ellie De La Cruz, the guy who scares everybody. He scares everybody every time he walks – when he walks off the bus to when he gets back on the bus, Ellie De La Cruz scares the other team. How soon is this Reds team going to be in the playoffs? I'm not going to ask you World Series because that's an easy no, no, I, writers. Yeah, no, I don't think it's this year, but I, I think you could see it next year. I mean, think about a rotation – even though these guys have underperformed, we all know that second year in the big leagues is really tough. But uh, the, just the talent alone of Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, throw Andrew Abbott in there, another guy who could be up anytime. Um, another a lefty. Uh, and then you have the likes of Spencer Steer, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain. You have some fun young talent. You also have Christian Encarnacion Strand, who is just, you want to talk about every time he hits, a, hits it, it, it can go out. He's He's been crushing a double A or a triple A as well. Um, the question is, where does he play? Is it a DH? And I haven't even said Tyler Stevenson. So there's, there's it's exciting. This is a fun team to watch. Last year was not a fun team to watch. <laughs> this is a fun team to watch. Where where is that twenty five thirty home run guy besides Ellie? Is there is there one or two? Uh, Encarnacion Strand, yep. and I think Steer could do that in this ballpark. Now, that's a caveat. I mean, you you know what this ballpark can do for a hitter, Todd? Um, it can turn a fifteen homer guy into a twenty five homer guy like that. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And now my next question on top of that, David Bell. He managed me in double A, mm-hmm. and I think the players there, they respect the heck out of him. When I broadcasted the other day over there, he said how invested he is on these players and how invested the players are. I know you're in the clubhouse a lot. Talk a little bit about how they're so cohesive as a unit, and it starts with David Bell. It does. I mean, it's funny. I was, I was talking to somebody who'd been in this – well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it was Pat Kelly. You know Pat Kelly. Yeah. Um, triple a manager and i was saying you know i really like this team they're they kind of follow india they're an india type play like like that's how they play they play hard they play all out you watch these guys sprint from home to first uh and and he was like and i was like it just it just reminds me of india he goes you know it's kind of like david bell and i was like oh yeah you know it's quiet they're not all that showy but when the flip switches they're on you. And, and I, I had like a, we used to have a joke um, that like in spring training, spring training's long and you get to know everybody and you're talking all the time and our standard line every spring, I think we've done this since 2010 is okay. Brawl breaks out. Who do you want on your shoulder? Who do you want leading with you? Now, 2010, Todd, you know who that was. That was easy. Yeah. Like Johnny Gomes. Yeah. So that's where this all started. And I was talking to to one of the players and they're like, I wouldn't mess with David. They like that. 
They love that. Yeah, and he's, like I tell people all the time, he's the greatest dude. He's the nicest person you'll ever meet. But that one time an umpire makes a mistake, he is on him, like white on him. <laughs> he's just on him all day. And that's what, it's like, oh, my God, the first time you see him go after an umpire, you're sitting back like, oh, I didn't know he had that in him. And, and that's what, as a player, I'm like, that's the guy I want to go to battle with right there. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. When they hired him, I, I called Zach Cozart. And Zach said, Trent, I'll tell you one thing. You will always know that David has your back. And as a player, that's the number one thing you ask for. I think there are 26 guys in there who think that David has their back. So what's the deal with Votto playing-wise? He is taking, doing stuff on the field. He is not out on a rehab assignment yet. That, that, that could be imminent. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll go back to what I always say about Joey. You can tell me anything about Joey, and I'll believe it. You could tell me he's back tomorrow. Sure. You could tell me he's not back. That's a little harder to believe, but it's possible. You're saying he could be done? I mean, it, he's, he's on the it's, comeback it's, trail, right? They haven't, they haven't revealed much. I don't like, think has he, he spoken to the media done. recently? Yeah, we talk, I've talked to him the other day, and okay. he said he's feeling so much better. Um, you know, when he goes – when he is on a rehab assignment, I, I don't think – I think that's going to be more of a final test for Joey than anything. He is not going on that rehab assignment to strike out 25 times and 45 at-bats or whatever he did the first time. He's right. going to go because he knows he's ready. Lastly, do you think this could be it for him based on just some of the injury struggles that he's gone through? And this is. Yeah. I mean, it could be, and I, I don't want that. I, I don't think anybody wants to see that. Um, but it's, hey, he, he's going to be 40 later this season. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he was a veteran when Todd was there. Yeah. Todd's an all-star. Where's Todd now? Crushing <laughs> it. He's got the, he's got the Todd Father foul territory jersey that, that Joey Votto might be wearing next year with us. <laughs> he, he, yeah. I don't know that you guys can afford that. <laughs> hey, Good to know. Good to know. Hey, we got Good Steve Cohen payroll going here. You can afford me. I'm coming on free. <laughs> well, you were great. See, Trent, awesome catching up with you. Appreciate it. And, again, you can see that the baseball is the best shirt that he's got. You can order that if you if you Google it online. Boom, there it is for all of our friends, um, Sarah Langs and Mandy Bell, who put that together. See, Trent, great to see you. We'll talk soon, man. See you, guys. See you. All right, Todd Father. So on the topic of the Reds, one of the reasons why we wanted to give this team some extra love, in addition to kind of previewing that Ellie De La Cruz is on his way, is you're holding something that you're about to send out in the mail. Yes. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, the 2023 opening day ball inscripted on the side. Where are we at? On this side. Mm -hmm. It says 2023 opening day first pitch which I threw a strike, which you guys already know, right down Broadway. <laughs> and we will be giving this away, yes. Yes, let's give it away right now. So I... you had to retweet it on uh, Twitter from either our or the Reds official team page account. And uh, random drawing leads us to, this is like NBA draft lottery. <laughs> Your winner, Joe yeah. Fernandez 20. Yeah, Joe. Joey boy, the new we got a Mets, Mets fan. fan. <laughs> hey, you know what Joe said?
Give me the ball, Todd. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> no, congratulations. We'll get this out to you, big dog. Hey, you're right down the street. You might as well stop by so we, I can hand it to you. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, it's got the hologram on here, so you know it's the real deal. Holyfield, congratulations. It was a strike. So put this Boom. next to all the glorious strikes you threw back in Little League. He's having a day, Joe. You get the baseball, and your boy Pete Alonzo is going to join us soon. So congratulations. It's been fun doing giveaways quite a bit this week. And right now, let's hit on the games coming up tonight before we get to Pete Alonzo. Last Minute Game Time, sponsored by Game Time, gametime.co, or hit up the app. Get yourself a profile. It takes five seconds, and use the promo code that you can see below, FTLive, for 20 bucks off. Your first purchase terms apply. I'll let you know more about it. But the point is, last-minute tickets, we're looking for them. And we have quite a few options tonight. I like to highlight some of my favorites. All right. Suddenly, the plans are cleared out, Kratzy. All you got is yourself and the boys. And you can go wherever the heck you want. And you're flipping up to the to game too. time app. Okay. She can come. She can come. She's invited. My daughter, <laughs> so we okay, five she, tickets. Five tickets? Fine. Okay. I got Easy. you. I'll use the FT Live pro promo code on game time. Ticks on me. Where am I taking you tonight, last minute? Easy peasy. I'm heading down to 95, going right down to Baltimore. I know Grayson Rodriguez is not having the year that he wants to coming up, but he's still trying to, you know, get his footing. But he has some electric stuff that I want to see live in a ballpark that I absolutely love in Camden Yards. And the team coming in town has almost the exact identical record. This is, to me, this is the marquee series. Yes, I know there's a Dodgers Rays. I think it's a Dodgers Rays. Yeah, no, it's the. Yeah, you're right. Dodgers Rays. Yeah, you got I know. It. I know that's going on too. We got openers and blah blah blah. <laughs> I want to see Texas and Baltimore, two teams that I have high on my power ranking right now. And it's going to be a beautiful night in Camden Yards, which is an unbelievable ballpark. So that's where I'm headed. I'm with you, man. I'll take you. And you're right. I mean, in the AL, it's the Rays and then Texas and Baltimore are two and three there. So it's a great matchup of two teams that are surprising people. Todd Father, where are you going tonight? <laughs> you know where I'm headed. Come on. I'm going right through on the parkway. I'm going right straight through. The turnpike, I'm going to hit up the GW Bridge. Ten minutes past the GW, I'm in the boogie down. I'm going <laughs> to Yankee Stadium, baby. I love going there for one. For two, you got the Padres in town with all the big guns they got. And you got this young rookie coming up in Randy Vasquez, uh, Vasquez with the Yankees. I want to see what he's all about. He's having a pretty good year. Yankees are trying something new. Well, actually, they need a pitcher because of the Domingo Herman thing. So... I'm going over there. We'll see what Bogarts can do. We'll see what Tatis can do. These guys going to be a great game. Musgrove on the mound. You know, you can't really beat that, be honest with you. The roll call, you know, whoever they were, Randy, they can't announce the pitcher, but the roll call is going <laughs> to get everybody fired up. So we'll see what happens. No, that's a good one because the Padres have to get going. And they had a big win yesterday, even though it was against the Nats. And they didn't play as well against the Nats as they, I thought they would. But the bats did show up. Rugi Rookie. Boom. Former Yankee. Johnny. Former Ranger. Yeah. Rugi had five ribbies yesterday. People are joking, but it's true. They're like, who knew that at Memorial Day weekend time, our best bat 
Adam Machado and Soto and Bogarts is, is Rugnet Odor Rug. making less than a million bucks in the big leagues as a veteran. He signed for, I think, 800K this year. So, hey, that happens. And that's a good job. Credit to the front office. You got a guy where you said, I think we can unlock something else here. He's had all the talent for a long time and really – you know, he signed that that pretty solid extension early on in his career. And I would say, for the most part, didn't turn out to be the player consistency-wise that we thought he would be. But look at him go. Dude Dude can pack a punch, pun intended. So I've got, <laughs> I've got in my mind the game of the night, okay? And it's a long flight, but we're going to go there anyway coming up soon. I'll be in Seattle for All-Star Weekend. Mitch Keller against George Kirby? Yes, please. In addition, obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop down on the – the nerfy no runs first inning with those two but Kirby's one of my favorites he's all over the zone he keeps getting better he's one of those freaks too where he doesn't necessarily look like the most athletic dude but like last year the the crazy story about Robbie Ray showing him his sinker and in five minutes he basically learned it and then implemented it in the game like he, he does he does ridiculous things on the mound I'm a big fan of Kirby I think that I mean right now what he's a two and and a potential one in the future in my mind, potential-wise. So he knows where the baseball's going at a young age. That always impresses me, and the stuff keeps getting better. And then Mitch Keller, who's had all the stuff in the world for a long time, at one point was one of the top pitching prospects in the sport, and it's taken a while. And guess what? Not everybody comes up to the bigs as in, and is an instant superstar. But the Pirates are loving what they're seeing from him, and they want to keep him because a lot of people already are like, oh, we're going to trade for Mitch Keller. I don't think so. I don't think the Pirates are going to make him available. So that, to me, is the pitching matchup of the night. Seattle coming off a, a dusting of the Oakland A's. Apparently, that, so there was a four-game sweep for Seattle at home against the A's for the first time since the summer of 1991, which is a long-ass time. So excited to see that one tonight. Let's run through what you're working with with game time. So... First off, on the app, the technology is off the charts. 360 view of your seats. So if you hit up the app, download it if you don't have it, create an account, go with FT Live on the promo code, and then when you're picking out your seat, you can move the phone and it's showing you the exact view of your seats. Lowest price guarantee. There's event cancellation protection. They do it much better than the, than the rest out there. Flash deals, last-minute tickets. It is the spot for last-minute ticket deals. That's why we talk about the game that we want to hit for the day with those flash deals. And the game time guarantee means you get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. They are challenging you. They're like, you're not going to find anything less than right here. And also, if you're going through tough times, you lose your job, you bought tickets already, you send them your proof of unemployment, they give you your money back. They are, they are for the people, okay? Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code FTLive for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create the account, redeem the code. It's FTLive, 20 bucks off. Be part of the fam. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We do have a question, too, based off um, this little seg that we like to do New Country Songs. Where do X players like to sit at games? It's a great question. At an MLB game or my kids game? Because my kids game is down the left field line. <laughs> Both. <laughs> hey, I'm an outfield guy. I like to be like right, either right to the right or left to center field. But if I'm at <laughs> – that's such a good answer, Eric. I love that. But if I'm at a major league game, I want to be in a box seat somewhere. I like right 
right behind home plate. I like it. Dude, when I d finally did a broadcast the other day, I don't I don't want to sit anywhere else. Right behind home plate in a box seat, there's, to me, in my opinion, nothing sexier or greater to watch a game than sitting right there. You can see everything. And I know what Todd Father's doing, Kratzy. He's hitting up legends at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely, he's getting there two hours early. He's getting like the workout in before he goes oh, and like starving cute. himself. Then he gets there and he's crushing like six lobster tails, you know, steak 20 sandwiches. sushi rolls, uh, steak sandwiches. I mean, it's the best spread in the biz. It's not even no close. It, that's, it, it's that's the number spread one. the visiting clubs getting too. People don't. We've talked about that before. The best spread yeah. you'll ever get. Yeah, Todd. but fans can get it. That's the crazy part, too. I mean, obviously, it, it, you, you got to find, hey, game time's got it. You got to find the price is right for you, but it's worth the price. You're going to see Todd at a, at a Yankees game right behind home plate like this. <laughs> <laughs> looking, he's not looking Cheeto dust off his fingers. <laughs> nummy, either. nummy, he's, nummy, numb. He's, he's finishing up that, that aioli on top of his crab cake <laughs> that he just got. <laughs> No, but I, I'm the same. I'm the same way. Like we we went to playoffs last year when the Phillies played the Braves, and they were like, "Ah, oh, you want this seat, Terrace over here?" I was like, "I don't care how high it is. I want to be behind home plate. You can see, you can see the entire field. Whether you're down first row, I want to be behind home plate. If you're up top, behind home plate. You can see how everybody's moving, and if the team is flowing in good, you know, good rhythm, I that's. That's where it's at for me. But I watch the game from, I watch the game from there. To me, the outfield is more like a, it's a fan experience. Like I'm out there with the guys, like out there chumming it up. A lot of people in the outfield, they they like high five each other. Like fan, I like when fans high five each other, and that's and that, more like an outfield thing. That you got to get prepared for that too, as well. If you're gonna be yep. in the outfield, it's like a preparation before. Like if you're with your kids, hey, this is what we need to do. Stick with me here. You know, we're going to be in the outfield. You better scream somebody's name when they're doing roll call. I think that's one. I've done that twice. I think it's a, one, a really cool experience. That's Scott, cool. you get out there, you got to be careful. Your arms, your arms are too big. Those guys are going to be like, yo, muscles marinara, move over. <laughs> no. Yeah, but you've been out there. There's plenty of meatheads out there that, that can, you know, pick me right. up like shrimp cocktail and flip me. I was just me. busting Yeah. You know oh, my. I'm nothing out there. Are you kidding me? The, no. bleacher, the bleachers at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs – I'm going to save the story until Tommy Canely comes on, but there is no, like, I'm, I'm not going to say anything else, but there is no place like it. Besides maybe like Chavez Ravine, because you're, you got your, you got your, you kind of got your Aaron Judge eyes on. You're always kind of like looking, like <laughs> looking over there, making sure, making sure everybody's cool. Like just be cool in the bleachers out at Chavez Ravine, <laughs> like Dodger Stadium, man, like chill out. Chill out, but nothing like it in Yankee Stadium in the in the playoffs. Oh, wait for that Tommy Canley story. Oh yes. Let's bring in our insider Ken Rosenthal joining us right now, who I think caught some of that. Ken, great to see you. And you know, at one point, and this was fun for fans. He said, "Let's fucking go Mets," because Buck said, "Hey, don't say that in the ballpark." But he could say it here. Have you ever had a player curse when you were doing an interview? And did they say, "Hey, you, you got to be careful there"? Like Verdugo's done it a couple times this year. But Pete knows, like Mets fans, maybe adult Mets fans, absolutely adore when he posts that. Absolutely, they adore it. Now I can't recall Scott if that's ever happened to me. I can't believe that it has not happened. I've done this a long time, right? And you would stand to reason that that happened at some point along the way, but I don't remember it. I do want to say one thing, that I hope people who are watching that got a real appreciation for Pete's approach to hitting, and also, I got to compliment you guys. 
The questions were great, and it's different when former players talk to a current player than when a guy like me interviews a current player on Fox. It's a different perspective. It's a different level of respect, and it's just so cool to hear that conversation. That last part about that drill, Todd, that you saw him do or whatever that was, it wasn't actually a drill. It was kind of batting practice. <laughs> that was, like, amazing, and it was just a lot of fun to hear. So kudos to everyone. Pete, you guys, the whole works. Hey, Ken, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen any spectacle on the field before a game where you just, like, in awe, like watching, like only thing I'm thinking of, because you're so old. I, I don't mean to bash this art. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not a bash; it's a reality. <laughs> have you ever seen, like, um, you know, like uh, Mark McGuire or something? His batting practice. Like, there's got to be something you saw where you're like, I wish I could stop the time, you know, right now and just watch this again and again. The one I actually remember most vividly, and I know there was. There were times where I saw Bonds and McGuire take BP, but Stanton in Dodger Stadium, he hit one out, out of the stadium, not just oh. out of the park. And it was really impressive, and it was something people were buzzing about at the time. So that's one that stands out. But, yeah, occasionally you'll see something in BP that you just kind of can't believe. It does happen, but the days when McGuire and Sosa and Bonds were going, of course, it was artificially enhanced but there was some pretty impressive batting practices. You mean the balls were juiced? That's that's what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the balls were juiced. Well, yeah, they kind of were, but they they were kind of juiced, but anyway, <laughs> no. We'll take it. Let's take it. Let's take it out to the Midwest where the Cardinals are surging a little bit. Tell us tell us more about arts and craft time because my daughter, <laughs> she's really crafty. So if they're looking for you know, give out some extra money like they gave Wilson Contreras. You know, let's right. talk about their arts and crafts. Well, this was interesting. I was talking to Adam Wainwright last week preparing for the Fox game. And I always go out to the park on Friday in preparation for the Saturday broadcast. And I'll talk to players about different things. And you never know what you might hear. And Adam Wainwright started telling me about how when he came back, he kind of gave a presentation to the team. He had been so bored when he was on the injured list that he made up eight poster boards, each one showing a different season that the Cardinals had played in which they had succeeded, but had had a bad month. And you can see 2006 right there. That's the year they won the World Series. And they had two months, which weren't so hot. So his point to the team was, guys, we can have a bad month. It happened to happen in April, which is unusual for us. It's just not something we would want to have happen, but it happened. Let's go from here and let's move forward. And his last board said, win the World Series, any questions? There it is. And this one lit up. You can, I don't know if you can see people watching, but there are lights along the blue border there. And there's an electrical attachment of some kind at the bottom. And that was Adam Wainwright acting like a college professor instead of just his major league pitcher self. No, that's good stuff. That's cool. I mean, he is very creative, and obviously this is last very. season. So, yeah, very creative. That was cool. And, and actually has pretty nice handwriting, too, for, <laughs> um, I must say. There's some ball players that need help, and I'm on that list, too, so I'm not trying to knock anyone. But, okay, Ken, I want to take you in a direction from this morning's article you wrote in The Athletic about the A's and tie this all together because one of our first fan questions that came in um, on YouTube right now Davis Fouts, what are Ken's thoughts on the Brewers stadium situation, which we covered a little bit the other day, where it sounds like the league saying, hey, you got to clean this up. And they even dropped the, hey, it's just moved to Vegas. So 
I know you've written a lot about A's, Rays, and if you can tack on if you've heard anything about the Brewers too. I've not heard much on that situation. And I would imagine Mark Atanasio, the owner of the Brewers, the city of Milwaukee, whoever has to get involved here will get it done. That's a passionate place. That's not Oakland as far as attendance or anything like that. And I'm not blaming A's fans for attendance. I'm just stating reality. It's a place that's pretty vibrant in terms of the sport and how it's received there. So I'm sure they have some issues that they need to address fine. I don't know that they needed the league to threaten them publicly with that, but maybe that's what the league felt it had to do. I don't really know. I'm not that familiar with it. So obviously this is a situation that will have to be monitored and we'll have to see what happens here. I got a question. Is San Diego going to turn the season around or what, man? They got the Yankees coming up. Like, what is – what is? they always talk about, ah, the bats aren't working, this and that. There's got to be something to change the season around for them because I want to see them do well. Like, what is the main problem over there? I'm not sure, Todd. The main problem, I actually, I can say, is they're not hitting with runners in scoring position. Their numbers are absurdly low and kind of inexplicable. That is the number one thing. Now – I've written about this. I think we've talked about it as well on the show. That's a team with a lot of guys from a lot of different places and not much there there. And what I mean by that is there's a core of stars, but they kind of came from all over. There's not a shared history. There's not a sequence of guys who came up from the minors together and kind of bonded in that way. Now, that doesn't necessarily translate on the field always, but it does matter. You guys know it matters because you played, and it almost seems to me it's a collection of slapped-together parts and not really a cohesive unit. Now, at some point, I would think their talent is going to win out, and all of what I'm saying will just be cast aside. won't matter as much, if it matters at all. So, I'm not sure totally what the problem is outside of the runners in scoring position. They just haven't clicked, and... They do have some questions. Starting rotation is a question. Darvish, not really an ace. Musgrove, not really an ace. And beyond that, Waka's been good, but you have some depth issues. You have depth issues in the lineup as well. The bottom of the lineup is not that strong. So it's not a perfect team. It's a very expensive team. And I would expect at some point they will turn it on. But my goodness, it's a quarter of the season. They've lost all these series in a row prior to the one that they won yesterday. It's not good what is happening there. Are we going to see Tim Anderson in L.A. at some point? Which L.A.? So I'm, not, I'm letting, I'm letting well, him, I, him answer. I heard, I heard Cody Decker talk about the Angels. Cody Decker needs to watch Zach Neto play. Zach Neto is holding his own as the first player who was promoted from the 2022 draft. He's the Angels shortstop. They don't need Tim Anderson. The Dodgers... You can certainly make the case, do need Tim Anderson. They're going to need a shortstop. But there's a couple of things here that are in play. One, the White Sox are sort of back in this thing. And they've climbed back into a division that is pretty poor. They're in the race. So if they can keep improving and kind of threaten the Twins a little bit, they're not going to be making trades. They're going to be trying to add, if anything. Their owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, is 87 years old. He doesn't want to go through another teardown or even a sell-off for this year. So that's one thing. The other thing is 
Anderson defensively has not played particularly well. And two-year thing now. He obviously is a gifted athlete. He has had his moments at shortstop in the past, but the Dodgers are going to value defense. We know that. And the other thing about him, and this is something he has talked about as well, James Fagan of The Athletic did an article about it, in which he said, hey, I know my discipline, plate discipline, is not where it should be, and that needs to improve. And you know, guys, how much the Dodgers value plate discipline. So as he stands right now, he is not the perfect fit because of the way he's playing, but the bigger issue is the White Sox, and can they get back in this thing to a degree where they're not going to make trades? And it seems to me that's possible because no one is running away in that division. The Twins aren't hitting. The Guardians aren't hitting. The White Sox had their problems, obviously, in April. It was horrible, but they had a hard schedule, too. One of the toughest, actually the toughest schedule by winning percentages this season of any team. So I'm not saying the White Sox are great. They're not great, but they're getting Liam back. They've got some, well, a little bit of momentum now. So it's kind of a wait-and-see situation. Who else, who else would be out there? If, if you're saying the Dodgers need a shortstop, who would you see as a potential that could fill that role if he's not, if he's not the guy? I'm not sure, Eric, and I haven't looked at it that closely, but it's not like great shortstops or even above-average shortstops are readily available. If you've got one, you're going to want to keep him. Now, the Reds have a bunch of young kids, but the Dodgers need a, a now guy. Yeah. So they could go with Rojas and Mookie and, and get through it that way and maybe supplement their team in other ways. One other factor here, and I'm glad you actually asked this. I didn't mention it, but the Dodgers' biggest need might not be shortstop. It might be starting pitching. And it might be difficult to address both. Maybe possible. I don't know. But given the state of their rotation, with so many of their veterans on the injured list, it would seem to me that would be priority number one as of right now. I want to talk to you about the Mariners because you just talked about prospects with the Reds. We just had C. Trent on. He was talking about the Reds' prospects. The Mariners' prospects. Like, it's almost making their whole team. Well... This is a fascinating story, what's going on there. Kirby, Gilbert, and Bryce Miller. Three starters. George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller. They're all homegrown, all drafted by the Mariners and developed by the Mariners, and they are all crushing it in the major leagues right now, all between the ages of 24 and 26. They've got Brian Wu coming up behind them and Emerson Hancock, another young starter. So here's a team that's in a really interesting situation. They need offense. They're going to need to supplement, in my opinion, to get where they want to be. I don't even know that that's my opinion. That's pretty well accepted. (laughs) So you'll be able to trade a starting pitcher, a young one, if you're the Mariners. I'm not saying necessarily one of the big three that is in the rotation right now, but maybe you trade Emerson Hancock to get a young outfielder of comparable service time that's going to help you right now. They have the ability to do that. In fact, what's amazing about them is They've traded a number of pitchers, pitching prospects in recent years. Brian Williamson, uh, Brandon Williamson, Levi Stout, others. And they've done that to get Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez and Luis Castillo. So they are not afraid to trade one of these guys. I can't imagine them trading Kirby, Gilbert, or Miller, especially Miller, I guess. But (laughs) 
they have the ability to maybe do some things because of the depth and the incredible drafting and development they've done in recent years with starting pitching. Tell us about tell us about your article about the A's because we kind of we bang on the A's here and my, and my thing with it is is MLB need to meddle more cuz you already brought up the Brewers thing and you're not real familiar with the Brewers situation cuz it's just kind of coming out. It seemed kind of weird to me cuz I really like that stadium and everybody knows Oakland Stadium is what it is. Does the MLB not meddle enough or do they meddle too much? Which is it? In, in, in those situations. I'll speak to the A situation because yeah. each situation, Eric, is individual. And generally speaking, in a broad sense, MLB lets the owners run their teams. And that's what they do with their franchise. That's just how it is. Now, years ago when Frank McCourt was running the Dodgers into the ground and keeping the team's money for his own private use, MLB stepped in, kind of forced a sale. That hasn't happened with the A's. You can argue that maybe it should have happened, that maybe Manfred, as commissioner, should meddle in that situation. What I am asking in my article today is not for him to meddle because it's sort of too late for that. What I'm asking is, why is John Fisher getting this free pass from Major League Baseball? Why is no one questioning everything going on with this team, starting with what's going on on the field? If I'm an owner of another club, that team is an embarrassment to my industry. That is a blight on what we've got going on here, which in this situation, in this season, is a lot of positive things. So that's number one. Number two, and this question was raised in an article in The Athletic by Eno Saris and Steve Berman, who's to say Las Vegas is this unbelievable market for baseball? Now, I know football is there and I know hockey is there. Baseball's different. And... Is Las Vegas going to be able to support a Major League Baseball team 81 nights a year? And I know tourists will come in, but are they coming in for baseball in the middle of summer? <laughs> that remains to be seen. So my question, the question I'm raising in this article is why the free pass? Why is John Fisher immune from any criticism internally from MLB, from what I can see, what I can understand? Why has Manfred not been harder on him? Why has he been so accommodating? That's the word I used in the story. Why so accommodating to an owner who has not done well with his team, who is one of the lowest payrolls, well, the lowest payroll this season, and a team on 131 lost pace. 131. They're only on track to win 31. Not good. So that's the point that I'm making here. Why are we letting him run amok? I'm with you, and we've made sure that this story is covered at length with other writers, with other players, even former players, especially like Chris Bassett was telling us all about the good old days not long ago where the place was wild and they had a ton of talent that all could have been signed to extensions if they threw them out there back then, and they didn't. So do you think if owners could break silence and speak about it, they would be fuming? Because like you said, it's a bad product. It's actually stealing headlines often from the sport on a more national and casual audience level who is not necessarily paying attention to the swing of a certain player, but they see the headline of a team moving and it being a movie. Also, the other part for me is owners love money, right? They love making money. Well, the expansion fee is higher than a team now just moving to Vegas and his obviously value of his team is going to go up probably a billion plus dollars and get tax money. So if I'm an owner, I would have wanted one of the top markets 
in in the country, the Bay Area, to have two teams, which is good for business. And then if Vegas wants a team and they win one out, they pay whatever that fee would have been, like $2.5 billion, which goes to all the owners. So I'd be on the phone with the commissioner's office all the time being like, wait, what the hell? Right. There are 29 other owners, Scott. I seriously doubt they all have the same opinion about this. <laughs> I would imagine some are asking questions. One question is, why take a team from the sixth largest market and stick them in a the 40th largest television market? That's seemingly not a great trade for a sport that depends quite a bit on local TV revenue. It's changing that model. I get it, but it's still a factor. So that's one thing. And baseball's response, the A's response is we've tried with Oakland. It's impossible. We just can't get it done. Now, there are two sides to every story. Certainly, Oakland's had ample time to get this done. Certainly, it hasn't happened. So I get them wanting to move. I'll even grant them that. But why are we talking only about this market? Why aren't we talking about one of the potential expansion cities that is larger, that might be more fruitful for Major League Baseball in the future? These are the questions that if I were an owner, I'd be asking. And I'd also be asking, why are we going to a market where he's going to need revenue sharing? Again, John Fisher is going to need revenue sharing in Las Vegas. There'll be a revenue sharing recipient. Why are we doing this? And, oh, how much is he going to spend in payroll when he gets there? I'd like to know the answer to that question. Is he just going to be in the same way he's in it in Oakland, make money, or is he going to be in it to maybe actually try to win games? Because guess what? The commissioner said a while ago, oh, John Fisher wants to win. I ain't seeing it. <laughs> no, you're right. It's a, it's a money thing. And the, the last thing I want to ask you about in terms of the league is I get the vibe sometimes from talking to some people that I know that work for teams that everyone thinks they're going to be the Rays. Like the Rays kind of set a bad example because they're so good and they don't spend that much. And I'm always like, well, there's only one Rays, okay? They've got something really special going and they keep doing it. But do you think other owners are licking their chops when they see that and they say, hey, we can do the same thing. We can draft and develop well. We don't have to spend much. We don't have to keep guys long-term and sign these big-ass deals. Do you think that's become more of a thing lately in the league? There's no question, Scott. Every team wants to operate more efficiently to get the biggest bang for its buck, to incorporate young talent so that if you're a big market team, you can be flexible enough to go get a Mookie Betts if you're the Dodgers or name a free agent, a big one. It always helps to have the balance in your payroll. You can't have, well, except maybe for San Diego, a bunch of $40 million players. So, yeah, sure, every team does view Tampa Bay as a model in this regard. In fact, sometimes the Yankees seem like they want to be Tampa Bay, not when they're buying Gary Cole, but doing some of the other things that they do. So, sure, and that's fine. Hey, every business wants to operate at maximum efficiency. We all get that. But... There comes a point you just can't have a team full of kids. You have to spend around them. And that's going to be the question the Reds face as their kids come up. Are they going to put some people around them, put some veteran players, quality veteran players to supplement this roster? Are they going to do that? The Orioles at this deadline. Now, you look at the Orioles right now. Second best team in the major leagues. Can't punt at the deadline this year. You're going to need a starting pitcher. You need one right now, actually. Another good veteran would be really good for this team. Top of the rotation, all the better. Can't simply say, oh, yeah, we've got these kids, we've got these cheaper. No, you've got to go for it. And that is where teams sometimes 
run into a not a difficult situation because it's where you want to be, but it's an uncomfortable situation for them. They're not used to spending, and ooh, they have to spend all of a sudden, or they have to trade prospects all of a sudden. Ooh, we don't really want to do. No, you have to do that to win. Is there is there anything that MLB can do? I mean, for the especially like right now for the Orioles situation. No, the Orioles run themselves. MLB can't tell the Orioles to go add payroll or make trades. That's not the way the league operates. They don't force that kind of thing on anyone, nor should they. Each team should be allowed to operate in its own fashion. Now, we've talked about the A's and the way they've operated. Would I like to see more pressure on them to a team like them to spend more money? Yes. And we've seen the union file grievances against certain low-revenue teams in recent years because of the way they've pocketed revenue-sharing money in the union's estimation. Yeah, all these things you want to see resolved. The CBA has helped a little bit, especially with service time manipulation. It's a little bit less of an issue now, maybe even a lot less of an issue. But at the same time, you can always be better. And I know these things are difficult. They're not easy to collectively bargain. And with owners, they have their own particular concerns. Each one of them. I get it. We all get this. But at the same time, when a team operates like the A's, they distort and compromise the integrity of the product. And that is my concern. We've seen it before with tanking teams. The Orioles before and the Astros before. Yes. And it has affected things. This is beyond that. No team in history has lost 130 games. This team is on that pace, and the record for 162-game season is 120 losses, the 1962 Mets. I'm not seeing how the A's are going to avoid 120 losses. Yeah, they're not just tanking on the field. They're tanking the market on purpose, which is obvious, right, to get get this deal off. So it's been nuts. Uh, Let's finish with this. So you have fair territory coming back up on Tuesday because we have Memorial Day on Monday, and you're going to add a little layer to your fan questions. If there are some bold fans that want to do a little selfie style, what's up, Ken, we can actually put that in to the show on fair territory. So you want to call it out? That's right. I do want to call it out. And I don't want to sound all Jersey tough like Todd Frazier, but (laughs) instead of of showing me your egg face on Twitter, (laughs) show me your real face in a video and let's see it. And actually, you know what? People might get a kick out of seeing themselves on even a show like ours. So, yeah, send us your videos. Be happy to answer. And we look forward to doing that Tuesday. Awesome. I love that. I look forward to watching. Ken, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, tell them, Top. You might have to do one, Top Father. Submit. Submit I'll a question. You won't. I will. <laughs> All right, perfect. Where, Ken, where do you. you live? Where do you live? I need your address. <laughs> All the time. All the Stunned time with you Jersey time. guys. <laughs> Just in case. You never know. I we'll might need a place to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. That's what it is. You sure. don't have any space. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And catch Ken on Fair Territory on Tuesday. Episodes drop every Monday except for next week because of the holiday on Monday. You can catch it on YouTube, getting tons of run there. And then on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you type in Fair Territory, and that's where you'll find it. It is time now. To have a night. Your BetMGM locks of the day. Where we going? First backtrack in the last night. I'm ice cold right now. Mm. I got a 
I got to stay away from from the bug, the White Sox, man. <laughs> I, I sit next to Pierzynski too much. And oh. I had I, I picked the run total uh, on an over, which I hit easy. But the parlay also had a White Sox money line on the same game parlay. AJ didn't hit on his Yanks O's. Phil's lost to the Braves. Locaine, smart as hell, fading Kratzy. That worked out. Mm-hmm. And Moneybags took a hit. So 24, 16, 30, 13, and 17, 12, and 25. And there's Locaine. But Todd Father, you go first because you're in a pretty good spot here. You're hovering around the 500 mark right now, six and seven. Um, yeah, what are you my, going with? My juice is killing me. The juice at the yeah. end is killing me right now. And then I made. A little larger bet than usual. I'm sticking. I'm, I'm going to go with Houston. They're playing Oakland again. We're crushing Oakland, man. I'm going to go minus. They got to win by three runs. Minus two and a half. And it's at an even, even number. Plus 100, even. Um, goes to show you that they really think they're most likely going to do it. Um, 300 to win 300. Let, let, let's get back on Okay. Track. Okay. So Houston got to win by three. Those run lines against the crappy teams, I mean. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it'll get you. Because if, uh, say if Oakland scores two runs in the first, they got to score at least five. To- you know what I mean? It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll catch up. Hey, hey yesterday was close with the Mariners and the A's. I watched almost that entire game. So it was a one-run game. Kratzy, you're doing what I'm doing today. Some props? I really, I saw your, I saw yours, and I won't give it away, but I went with the Orioles in the Texas O's game. I'm going to go with Cedric Mullins for one and a half total bases. He's been swinging it really well, and he's swung, he's done above average against John Gray in his career. He's small sample size, but hey, that's all you got for one guy. I'm putting it at plus 115 total bases, one and a half for Cedric Mullins. And Maybe I'll go even a homer. I, I like it. I'll go over one and a half for Marcus Simeon total bases against Grayson Rodriguez. He's gone over that mark in six out of his last 10, which is just okay, but he's averaging two and a half total bases in his last 10 games. For me, Simeon, I mean, he's elite in the contact category. He doesn't strike out much. He looks like that again, profile wise. He's not chasing at all. If anything, not a ton of hard contact from him, but when I was breaking down pitches of what Semyon does, he's doing most of his damage against fastball and off-speed, not as much against breakers for Rodriguez. Got the good slider, but besides that, I, I could see Semyon spitting on those pitches and trying to feast on a fastball or, or an off-speed pitch from Grayson Rodriguez. Also being nice and patient for Grayson, forcing him into the zone. So I could see Semyon getting into a little double or even homer action in what I think will be a, a high-scoring game between the Rangers and the Orioles tonight. So... Check it out. Good luck to everyone. And BetMGM players are going to receive a bonus bet to use on any sport on Saturdays. Bonus bet will be given to players on Wednesdays and Saturdays. When you log into your account, it's super easy. You just log into BetMGM, the Sportsbook app or the website. After you log in, you immediately get your bonus bet, and it can be used on any sport wagers. The bonus bet expires after 72 hours, so don't wait. Redeem that bonus bet on Saturday. Always bet responsibly. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What a Friday. Pete Alonzo, Ken mm-hmm. Rosenthal. We started off with C. Trent Rosecrans on Ellie De La Cruz and the Cincinnati Reds, and we're going to finish strong with a little slap hands action. Mm-hmm. 
I'll go first. Happy birthday, Paul Seawald, one of the regulars on foul territory. He's an absolute dude for the Mariners. Pitched yesterday, so we appreciate you, man, and we'll see you again on this show probably next week or the week after. And also, we'll be back in Atlantic City next week at Borgata. So if you want to come say hello in person, we're going to have a good time. Maybe hit the tables before and after, if you know what I'm saying. Get some good food going. I'm going to stay there actually Friday, too, and just have a night. So uh, we'll be there. We'll do the show live. Yes, breaking news. I'll be there. Uh, and then, uh, Todd Father, you want to cue this up for us? And then we'll get to Kratzy. He's got some stuff to cover. Jose Canseco had a little <laughs> bit of trouble. I know you spent a little bit of time in the outfield, right? Yeah, I did. I did a little bit. A lot more in the minor leagues than the major leagues. It's tough going back on balls. It's the anniversary, right, of the the ball doinking off his head and for the home run. If we Looper can, of uh, the century. Yeah, that was the – and he's just sitting there like – I don't even think he felt it hit his head. That's how big his head is. <laughs> he drive to right field. Can Jay go back? On the track, on the one he's – oh, my God. It hit his head and it went over. Oh, my goodness. This is something you'll never see before. My head, oh, my God. Dude, you know what you just did? You just gave up a home run. The center field is like, bro, this is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I saw an interview where the center fielder, I think it was Schaus. I think that was his name. Schaus. The first thing that Canseco said, because he was embarrassed, obviously, he goes, he, he was like, oh, man. He goes, dude, that hit, that hit you right in the head. He goes, no, it hit off my glove. <laughs> Canseco said it hit off his glove. Yeah, he didn't feel it. He definitely didn't feel it. I mean, I don't. I, I, I did not hit his glove. I, no, no, no. Hey, Canseco, I, I could say this because he's an admitted roids guy. Like, your head gets bigger. Look, you know, we, we've seen it with some guys. So, I don't know. I, I don't. I can't speak from experience, but yeah. it's like a rock, and you just don't even feel it, I guess. Forget so. that. Kenny Rogers wasn't happy. I know that. No, no. Kenny Rogers was <laughs> not happy. No, that's not a good one. Um, that is definitely assisted by Jose. Uh Slap hands for you, Kratzy. First off, let's get your Kratz hats. First off, Memorial Day weekend coming up. We got the Memorial Day tribute Rail Riders hat, Scranton Rail Riders. Not sure if we wore it Memorial Day or July 4th, whatever, but I think we, we, we wore it for both. So it's kind of a, you wear it, you keep it in your locker for a month or two, and then you pull it back out. But Scranton Rail Riders... Very and patriotic, yes. Also, Kratzy, congrats to you on, on your squad. One of the best high school coaches in the country. District champs, no big deal. And I know you got you got to go take down the rest of big-ass Pennsylvania, so good luck on that trek. And then let's, let's, let's finish on a strong note here about the 2023 ACT Challenge. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's why I'm wearing a shirt today. But the ACT Challenge, it actually started May 1st, and we're helping to eliminate human trafficking. It's basically what you do. It started on May 1st, but you can start today. The miles you bike, walk, run, swim, kayak, or however you can track your miles, being active can support survivors of human trafficking. Together, we will unlock donations from our supporters to help provide safe housing and restorative programming for survivors of human trafficking. It's free. Just go on there. Everybody, Anybody can do it. They're, you know, the, uh, the support, the donations, they're already coming in. We, we can always use more, but use the QR code that was on the screen right there. And you can go right to it. Log your miles. I'm on there. Join a team, create a team. Maybe we can do the foul territory team. 
You guys can't get my miles because I'm already on a team with my church. Mm-hmm. But it's really it's eliminates. We're trying to get to a hundred thousand miles by July thirtieth, which is actually World World Against Human Trafficking Day, and it's at worthwhilewear.org. That's why I wore this shirt. This shirt saves lives. This shirt was actually made in India by a group by groups of women who were involved in and saved from human trafficking. And it's a way that they have a job. They make these shirts. These shirts are ridiculously soft and awesome. And it has a nice little tag in it, in the back that says, you know, worthwhile wear. And you're supporting just an incredible cause because these these women and children get pulled out of these human trafficking situations. And this is a way that they get a job. And it's partially how they get into the trafficking. So it's just an incredible organization, worthwhilewear.org. I'll grab a shirt and I'm getting involved right after the show. I love it. That's good stuff. And it's a good way to finish here on Foul Territory. What a week. Thanks to Ken. Thanks to Pete Polar Bear. If you want to watch it back, scroll back. We'll post the podcast later too. And highly recommended, Doug Menkevich, Legends Territory. Don't want to miss it. The A-Rod stuff's spicy, but the Jeter stories are actually great. Jeter is even more of a legend when you hear about some of the stuff he pulled off. Boys, have a good Memorial Day weekend with the fam and the friends. Enjoy it. Peace. Foul Territory fans, listen up. Our friends at BetMGM are running an MLB Bet $10, get $100 instantly promo with the bonus code SPICYMLB. Here's how it works. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Place a pregame money line wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price, and you will receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. If you sign up in Massachusetts or Ohio, you receive $200 in bonus bets. Use the bonus code SPICYMLB. 